From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. The Feast of St. Ignatius Loyola on July 31st marks the end of the Ignatian year, through which we have been celebrating the 500th anniversary of Ignatius getting hit in the leg with a cannonball. Whenever I've been explaining the Ignatian year to someone over the past 15 months, I always note that this is an admittedly weird at first glance event to be marking. What about Ignatius's birth or the beginning of his ministry or the founding of the Jesuits? Well, on that last one, I'm pretty sure there will be quite a celebration in 2040 for the 500th anniversary of the founding of the Jesuits. And if AMDG is still going then, we'll definitely make some fun episodes. But the cannonball gets special attention in Ignatius's story. It is a vivid and transformative moment. The cannonball sparked Ignatius's conversion. It shook up his plans for a life of chivalry and set him on a dramatically new path. This anniversary has been a great opportunity for all of us to look at our own life paths and see how the Lord might be trying to reach us or maybe even shake us up a little. My two guests today took the opportunity of the Ignatian year to start a brand new creative project. Dr. Paola Pascual Ferra is a communications professor at Loyola University, Maryland, and her friend Sean Bray is the interim vice president for mission at the university. They decided to mark the Ignatian year by hosting a podcast called This Ignatian Year, which welcomed guests to reflect on how they weave Ignatian themes and spirituality into their everyday lives. I was so excited when I heard about this project because I love the idea of people living their faith by launching brand new creative things. I asked them about how their own spiritualities were affected through this process of making and how all of us might continue living those key themes at the heart of the Ignatian year, even after the celebration is over. Thanks for joining us. Well, Paola and Sean, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we are joined by Paola Pascual Ferra. She is a uh, associate professor of communication at Loyola, Maryland. Paola, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. And Sean is the interim vice president for mission, also at Loyola, Maryland. Sean, welcome. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so good to be to be with you. I, mean, I was excited to see that two of you are also in the podcast game and um, started a, a podcast on the Ignatian year. So, uh, so when I saw a word of that, I thought, oh, we have to get all the Jesuit podcasters together. <laughs> um, so just excited to, to hear about that process for you. And then also to talk a little bit about the Ignatian year. This is like our end of Ignatian year episode. We'll look back at the past kind of year plus uh, at this very kind of odd celebration um, marking um, St. Ignatius being hit in the leg with a cannonball. And when you try to explain this, and maybe you had this experience, explain this to people who weren't familiar with the story of St. Ignatius, like that's an odd thing to be marking. Uh, but certainly uh, without that, who knows what would have happened if we would even be here now. So that kind of big moment in the life of Ignatius and the church and the world and our own lives. Um, so I, yeah, I wanted to, someone who, so it's people who have been thinking about this and thinking about it enough to want to make something um, connected to it, I'd love to kind of hear your reflections. So that's what I want to do, kind of do uh, an examine, an examination of conscience, as Ignatius talks about uh, in the spiritual exercises, kind of looking back over the year, year plus, and kind of just 
lifting up some of the fruits and maybe thinking about too how um this year and some of the things that come out of this year could stay with us and continue to guide our spiritual lives even after the the year is technically over though if you do a 500 year anniversary of something in someone's life that means every other year or so you're going to have another anniversary to do so we'll see if we have another one there'll be the certainly the founding of the society in 1540 we'll get a 500 year but that's 18 years down the road so maybe we'll come back then and see <laughs> how we're all doing uh, but before that yeah first maybe we could just start maybe i'll ask uh Paolo, you could start just tell us a little bit about yourself uh and uh yeah why you wanted to make a podcast yes so first of all thank you mike for having us here it's really great that you reach out we're, we're so honored and um, humbled by your invitation thank you so much um, I thought this would be a great way to celebrate um, the Ignatian year. So I did the spiritual exercises um, for the first time when I had just had my first um, child, my son, who's now six years old. So I did that in 2015. And I found the experience extremely transformative and deep and just really a game changer for me personally and my spirituality and um and it, it really it really just changed my life and then when I was uh pregnant or, or I actually when I had just had my second child um she's now three years old I started doing it again um but it really does take so much commitment to do the 19th annotation even right um, and I didn't feel like I had done it very well. So I, I didn't feel like I did them justice. And so when this came around, um, it was an opportunity to, again, do something to honor that. And I am extremely grateful for every single gift that I've gained um, through doing, this, doing the spiritual exercises, working at Loyola, learning a lot more about Ignatian spirituality that I did feel moved to do something to honor this year in a very personal and creative way. And I knew that I can I didn't have the time and the discipline right now to do the 19th annotation. Um, so I talked to Sean and I said, hey Sean, um, how do you feel about you know doing a podcast? Um, one of the things that I love the most about uh the spiritual exercises was the practice of coming into spiritual conversations with others. And um and so I said, Sean, uh, how do you feel about doing this uh, as a way to honor and mark this year? And um, and I, I, I mean, I, Sean and I have been working together. Now we came to to Loyola at the same time, so we've been working um, together for a while. And he's <laughs> one of my uh, most beloved colleagues um, and friends. So it just seemed like fun, but also a great way to honor this. Um, occasion so I'll, I'll just let sean uh, yeah just know before i asked sean about um about that adding something like that to i'm sure both of yours crazy schedules uh in academic world you mentioned uh Paolo, the 19th annotation i imagine a lot of our listeners are familiar but for folks who are not so ignatius the spiritual exercises i think kind of meant essentially to be done straight in a kind of immersive retreat process and all jesuits do that twice generally in their life as jesuits the 30 full days and you go through the whole spiritual exercises uh but there's a a note this 19th note or annotation that allows it to be done kind of in other ways to be kind of you know offered in daily life and so that's the th a thing that I, i've done um it's popular for lay people who are in the world who don't have time to take 30 days at a retreat play house with the director but 
and kind of move through it in your daily life. And uh, so uh, I can't imagine doing that around with a newborn, though. That's wild uh, to me. Um, so, yeah, why don't we then? So, Sean, so she comes to you with that and you look at your calendar and say, um, <laughs> are you crazy or what did you? Yeah. Did you jump in? What happened? Yeah, well, uh, I jumped in. Uh, anytime Paolo comes forward uh, with an idea, uh, she's really, you know, a great mission companion here, uh, a great friend. So oftentimes we find ourselves um, uh, coming together when when something happens in our world, when something blows up, when something is, is really, you know, ripping society apart because we become so polarized. And usually it's Paula and I who will come together and, you know, often say, will you pray for me in this or um, where, where are you being led? What, you know, how are you responding? And so for us to come together, uh, last, well, we we're coming out of the pandemic where we're still, we were still deep in the pandemic and we were asking these questions about the Ignatian year and people were still reeling and trying to figure out what is the model and are we open? Are we, are we coming back to campus? Are we, what are we going to do? And we had this idea, well, we're coming back to campus. We have the Ignatian year ahead of us. We're not sure how we're going to be on campus. And if there's any gift that came from the pandemic was this opportunity to get, engage people in different formats. Uh, I mean, it really pushed us to move from kind of an all-in-person uh, ministry, education, to meeting people where they're at um, over distance. And so as we were talking about this, I know that there were some people who said, no, 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 don't do a podcast because people are tired of being online. Um, but we were coming back and there was still so much anxiety about how we would be gathering. And um, when Paolo brought forth this idea, I thought, well, this, this could be a really great platform um, to offer people these conversations about Ignatius, about the Ignatian year, about some of his story and engaging our colleagues in the ways that they have come to understand the Ignatian story and animate that through their work as educators, as um, administrators, as staff members um, at Loyola. That's awesome. So I'm just curious about how you then, what did you want to cover? And maybe what are some of the, the highlights for you uh, in terms of the conversations you had? So and we'll be certainly linked to uh, places where folks can, can find those, those episodes. But you, again, as you were saying, bringing in different guests to kind of look at different angles uh, of what the Ignatian year might be calling us uh, to reflect on. So maybe, yeah, Paola, maybe if you could share like any highlight, any conversation that's really kind of stuck with you um, since you've had it. There, there are so many, but I did want to mention that we started off, we had just um, received a copy of Father Sosa's book with Dario Menor, Walking with Ignatius. And I ha we had just come out of um, the National Justice Conference where he was generous enough to um, do a keynote for us. And, um, and so I was really curious to look into that. And so we started from that from his book um, as a place of um, inspiration. I also, you know, I've, I've, my, my go-to is always the Ignatian Adventure. That's always my go-to book. And it's, I mean, I've used it so many years. Um, I, almost once a month I go back to it. Um, and so we, we, we kind of allowed those two books to lead the way at the beginning. Um, 
And really also it was a mixture of that and the people that we knew on campus that we both felt were very spiritual people, very committed to Ignatian spirituality. Um, so that's how we started off. And then Sean and I usually have about an hour, an hour and a half meeting prior to any invitation of someone where we just talk to each other. Sean, how's life? What has come up to you recently? This happened to me. Um, and so we talk, we have that that spiritual conversation amongst ourselves. And from that, usually a theme emerges. You know, I'm really struggling with hope right now. How can I find hope? I remember with um, our episode with um, June Ellis, it, it was like, how do we find hope in the midst of all this chaos that's going on and all this negative um, uh, messaging everywhere you look, all these things happening. And so we really wanted to talk to someone who we felt embodied hope. And so we would reach out to that person, right? Can you shed a little bit of light into this um, and what hope means to you and how you live this? Um, so that, from my perspective, that has been the process, but maybe Sean has a different perspective. No, I, I think you've you, you've you've really laid out what we were about. I, you know, I would I think as we looked at the at, at um, these books and we thought about the Ignatian year, you know, I, I we we wanted to to really help engage people who might not know the story, um, and and to have multiple perspectives from across our university from those people who we really see as, you know, their title might not be mission officer, but they are clearly ambassadors and animators and, and mission officers um, promoting that mission um, across our campus. You know, and, and for me, I've been in Jesuit education about 15 years now, but I remember when I came to Jesuit education, um, I'd been raised in Catholic schools my entire life. And I arrived at uh, Seattle University and I was told I should meet with one of the Jesuits for spiritual direction. And I, I remember the first thing going in and meeting with um, Father Pat O'Leary out in Seattle. And Father Pat asked me if my spirituality was Ignatian. And I remember looking at Father Pat and having to say, I'm guessing not because I have no idea what that means. And it wasn't... It wasn't that I hadn't cared to learn about it. I just hadn't been introduced to the story of Ignatius. And now, 15 years later, that story, had, had Jesuit education, pedagogy, spirituality, is the primary lens through which I see the world. And so for me, being able to engage people in that conversation to say, how has this shaped the way you see the world? And as Paola said, it was around themes that were very timely, I think, for our community. The fact that we were having these conversations in, in January with Reverend Scott Adams around, you know, um, interfaith and, and the connection to Ignatian spirituality um, with the Interfaith Week prayer, prayer and um, education that we do here on campus, uh, interviewing our, uh, our new president, um, President Terry Sawyer. Um, and his his understanding of Ignatian spirituality and leadership. You know, there were so many conversations that I think Father Tim Brown, who started us off, 
at the beginning of the year, kind of anchoring us in what is the role of prayer and reflection and as we begin this. So there were there were a lot, and there are so many. We have a long list of people that we didn't get to in the Ignatian year, and I think the question is, how do we engage them, um, uh, or are we waiting for the next uh, anniversary? Right, so 18 years, or you could keep it going, uh, I guess, right? You could just become yeah. a permanent weekly. I mean, that's what we do. We do a weekly we just kind of randomly started and it turned into a weekly thing. So though we have a whole team doing this and the two of you, um, yeah, that's a lot to, to put on a plate though. I, I do love, I wanted to say, I, it sounds like I love the way you describe kind of getting into a topic as opposed to just like picking from a list, the idea of like kind of really rooting it in a, a discernment process, that spiritual conversation, as you mentioned, to see what are the signs of the times, where are we noticing, what are we feeling, how we feel the spirit moving. So kind of practicing some of the hallmarks of Ignatian spirituality and then creating something uh, and to kind of so modeling it, I feel like in that process um, that you were then talking about, which is, I think, such a, a cool thing uh, to approach it that way. And I'm wondering for, for two of you, again, who have experience with this stuff and you were, again, maybe introducing it to an audience who had, was not as familiar Kind of like the way, you know, our liturgical year, you hear the same reading sometimes, you know, say around the, the Triduum, you hear the same readings uh, year after year, the same Gospels. And then hopefully, if you don't just let them go by, you can sit with them and see, oh, I'm kind of experiencing this or hearing this differently now than I would have last year or even last month or 10 years ago. So I'm curious from both of you, maybe Paola, I could ask you to start if kind of going into this and th reflecting on the story of Ignatius, either the specific cannonball moment or the his conversion process, what was new for you? What did you kind of realize or come to or some of those graces that you'll think you'll, you'll hold on to? I have to say, um, well, I will, I, I will give a concrete example from Ignatius' story. Um, sometime along the process of doing this, and I can't recall exactly where, I landed on the moment where Ignatius is traveling on his donkey and has had that encounter um, with uh, the Muslim, a Muslim person who offends his faith and, and right, um, speaking about the mother, the Blessed Mother. And, you know, he, he kind of, thank you, we, 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 I said to breathe, uh, to bray. To Sean, the wisdom of the donkey. Let us all <laughs> tap into the wisdom of the donkey. Um, and I, that for me has stayed. I had never really thought about that moment or that part of the story. Um, and I, I kind of landed on that and how much comfort there is in knowing that if you just let God lead, um, you know, you will get to the right path. You will, um, you know, follow the right path. So, so that for me was something that I had not really paid much attention before in all the years that I had been reading and, and listening about Ignatius' story that just became very clear to me this time around when I was revisiting it. Um, but I will say in terms of, of, of gifts, just the gift of, of other people um, and just the gift of having be able to spend an hour in conversation with another soul uh, in a way that is very centered in spirituality, 
inspired by Ignatius' life and, and learning from their own gifts. We've discovered so many gifts among our colleagues that we knew already these were gifted individuals um, as administrators, as faculty members, as staff members, but all the spiritual gifts that they have were just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that opportunity has just been the greatest gift of this year for me. Yeah, Sean, the same question to you. Um, that, yeah, I was sitting here and I'm like, there's so, I, I was, I was trying to go back over all these conversations and I have to say that the, the real gift, um, is one focusing my gaze. Um, for me, it was focusing my gaze more on, um, you know, oftentimes I tell these stories, I get to introduce, uh, the story, um, to all of our first year students as they come to orientation. I get to do this in talking with, um, fa- uh, administrators and staff who go through our mission driven leadership program. Um, and, and oftentimes I'm, I'm kind of just moving through the story. And I felt like what this gave me the opportunity to do was to, um, narrow my gaze and to kind of focus on Ignatius and really, um, through this, to 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 see really that that journey that he has to go through. I, I think to to have this way of understanding who you're going to be in the world, and to really have that moment, have that taken away, and having to 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 have the interior life to pay attention. To, to know where you might go. Um, I'll tell you that, that there have been times in my life where I've been hit by a cannonball and, um, and, and, and I turned to Netflix or something, you know, I, I mean, it's like, how do I, how do I not pay attention? And that's not always the healthiest thing. Um, but, and I'm not saying Ignatius didn't have those moments. I think, um, I think it would be a mistake to say that he, he was actually looking for that, uh, at the beginning, um, when he was looking for romance novels and adventure novels, right? He just wants to kind of immerse himself in something different than his reality. And yet he becomes a, he becomes, um, he, he sits with that reality. He doesn't ignore it. He pays attention to it. And through that, um, through that, it's a long process. I think that's the other thing that comes through. This is that so much happens in our world where I find myself wanting to react emotionally. And I think that's a human thing for me to respond with, um, with anger or outrage or disappointment or fear. And yet, um, you know, sometimes we just see Ignatius as the finished product. He, he got hit by a cannonball. He went through this discernment process. He goes, you know, but his story is so human. And I think, for instance, like the story Paolo was talking about, why do you include the story of your encounter where you wanted to respond with violence to someone who had a different worldview, right? Or different understanding. And, and I really, you know, a colleague out in Seattle, um, that I used to work with Marilyn Nash talked about the fact that, you know, this was Ignatius exposing the vulnerability of himself for us to learn from. Right. And he, and he, and she would often say, I think this is because he wanted the Jesuits to understand that, you know, this is part of who you are is not always getting it right. Right. And so for me, that's an important 
message of Ignatius, that Ignatius's story is not, it's not a perfect one. Um, it's a one, it's one with a lot of ups and downs, uh, turns, um, places where he thought he was making advancement and then found out he wasn't. Um, but ultimately it was that persistence, that faith that kept him moving forward. Um, and that openness, um, to really, to really discern what God was calling him to, if he continued to ask that question. So that's what I sit with at the end of the day is how am I continuing to be open to God's voice? Not just, not just last summer, not just, uh, last Friday, but how do I, how do I make that commitment? Yeah. I, I love that reflections. I think sometimes the idea of a cannonball and like the moment as a focus, and then the idea of conversion coming after that, which is not always necessarily the most natural word for Catholics, I think. Right. Unless you're a convert, it means kind of one very specific thing. But we know that's something Father General is calling us to in the society, big emphasis on that theme of conversion in that sense that it wasn't, again, just that one moment. There was the big moment, kind of like Paul on the road to Damascus. Like there's a moment, but then it's it's the sustained then responding to that. And maybe it's that, that it's, it gives your life new context or meaning, but it, you have to kind of continue to engage and it's not the kind of one shot deal. And I guess I'm curious, Paola, as you thinking about that theme of conversion and the idea of that as a longer kind of term process, um, kind of reflecting on this particular moment for Ignatius was what did for you the idea of conversion when you hear that word, kind of what do you think about what from this story from Ignatius do you think uh, we can draw on in our in our own lives? Well, for me, um, I just had the uh, the privilege to go on um, the Ignatian pilgrimage um, through Loyola with uh, a group of students, 40 students. And I was talking to a young scholastic and we were reflecting on our own spiritual lives. And he, he is such a gift. He reminded me that my my path as a parent and wife is also a path that could is is a way of of you know also leading a saintly life if I am um, committed to it and and when I think about conversion recently I've been thinking about that um, I've been thinking about how I committed to come to Loyola in 2013 and for that for me it was more than a job it was actually a spiritual commitment and how I can every day in my life, even though I have chosen to be a wife and a mother, still aim for that, you know, um, saintly living, that, that, that aim that I think Ignatius, why Ignatius resonates with us lay people so much is that he gave us a way to move forward, even in our own daily life, right? And, and, and that, that's, that takes vision. That takes a lot of vision. Um, so that's what that has meant to me recently, as I've been um, reflecting on on my spirituality and conversion. So the sense that again, it's the you know some of those lines again, lines that are very common, I'm sure at Loyola when you're doing mission stuff, you know, oh God in all things and and our spirituality of daily life, and again, can kind of throw some of those things off. But like I think again, is what makes Ignatian spirituality so engaging now and so relevant is that, yeah, you don't have to be in a monastery somewhere, though visiting monasteries is great. But the idea of like the world is our house, as Jesuits sometimes say, that we can, we're there and it's noticing and responding right there in our life. And we don't have to like, even when we're talking to other people about it, we don't have to bring them to God as a vision, but 
to kind of help people see where God is already at work in their lives because God is already there. And I'm curious, Sean, someone who does this a lot, and you're, as we're talking now in the middle of an orientation process, maybe you've given this talk recently, or we'll give it again soon, introducing people to this story via podcast, via your in-person activities. What are some of the things you pull out, some of the, whether it's a, an image or a line or things that you go back to that you think that are helpful tools in uh, introducing uh, people to Ignatian spirituality. Yeah. Well, I, for me, it's, it's, you know, I often will talk about the spiritual exercises because I do believe that's an, that's the framework um, for Ignatius. If we don't understand, it, it's one thing to understand Ignatius as a human being. Um, these are great things. We can strip this all down to Ignatius as a human being who, who overcomes a traumatic experience in his life um, and recreates himself in a sense for others. But when I talk about Ignatius, without understanding the spiritual exercises, which are really the heart of this, for Ignatius, he understood that, that to, to approach any of this without understanding that we are loved by God. Like that is our grounding, right? That is where he starts, right? The, uh, the exercises. We have to pay attention to this. We have to know this before we can look at the brokenness in ourselves or in the world. And then we have this example of the life of, of Jesus to look at and examine. And of course, we can look at the greatest suffering of what it means to sit at the foot of the cross when, when someone is being crucified. And, and we have plenty of examples in our world where our students will come in here and say, I'm tired of looking at this population, this community, these people being crucified in our world. And what is my role? And, and ultimately, this, the, the exercises lead us to understand that even in the most darkest points of our life, Nothing is beyond God's imagination, right? And that's what leads us to the hope, the possibility that all things are possible with God. And that from there, we move into this loving response to the world. And so when I talk to our students, when I talk to our, fa our families, our, our faculty, I, I say, you know, for us to just think that um, this Jesuit education is is very stripped down to a self-help or a great discernment model without understanding that it is truly a love story. It is one that begins in love, it's sustained in love, and it calls us to be a loving response to our world. And that is really a radical thing because um, there are, it doesn't matter what the issue is these days, um, we can find that that our country, our world, our society, our communities, are, are very polarized. And how do we respond to each other? Do we respond with hope and love? Do we meet each person and do we ask where are they crucified? What is, what is bringing this anger? What is bringing this hurt? What is bringing this fear? What is my role to responding? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot in this, this story. So oftentimes I will talk about how the tools we will offer um, through their education for, for us to examine and that it, w it should be transformative, um, which is not always an easy thing to 
to uh, receive or be promised that, uh, ooh, I could be different in four years. Uh, well, right, and that, everyone would. <laughs> well, and yeah, that is. I mean, the, the I know I, it calls to mind for me the um, the motto, like the unofficial motto of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, which is like ruined for life. This idea, and I think you see that in the Ignatian story. Uh, you have a, again a certain vision. Things change, and it can be scary when those things change. That what I thought right. I was going to do um, might not be what I feel like I can do anymore, or the path I'm on might be changed, and that it shakes us up some. And so then how do we then navigate those, those changing things? I think that is a great, you know, a great gift, especially for students in college who don't know maybe, and maybe again, as you're saying at the end are in a completely different direction than they thought they'd be coming in, which is why I always like when people like press high school seniors, like, Oh, what are you going to study? What are you going to do in college? I get so mad. It's just like, you got to let them discover. Right. Um, I, I do want pal, I want to ask you. So, uh, Sean mentioned again, this, the idea, like, in the exercises of this life of Jesus and kind of putting ourselves into that as a big part of the, of the exercises, it's very imaginative. The imagination mm-hmm. piece of Ignatian spirituality is important, which to me connects very closely to the idea of creativity that we being created in the image and likeness of God means we have this instinct toward creating. And again, one of the things I really loved about your story was you could have had your conversations about what was going on and just kept them to yourselves but you kind of use those spiritual conversations mm-hmm. and then wanted to share something to make something and share it with others. So I'm curious for you in that process of creating and sharing how that affected your spiritual life this year. What, how was that different? How did it become different for you than if you had just had that conversation and then, you know, not shared that with, with others in this very public way. Um, just curious like what your, your experience of being a creator an Ignatian creator was uh, this past year. Well, one of the things that you do realize very quickly is that, you know, when you're creating something like this, a podcast, you're also gifting something to others. And the gift is that voice that you are inviting into the conversation that other people may not have access to. So it's really not about Sean and I, although I had so much fun, (laughs) but it's really about who we invited into the conversation for each of those episodes and the amount of wisdom and all the gifts they had to offer that now, you know, whether it's only four people that listen or 200 that listen, now they will be able to also understand the beauty in that human being. And and honestly, for me, it's just, it, it's just treasuring people. This year has allowed me to understand just how much I I treasure and I I value just people. People are not indispensable. Um, I'm sorry, are, are not easily dispensable, right? In my book, everyone is an individual with, with gifts and talents to be shared. And being able to offer that view to other people who listen onto the podcast for me was, you know, a, a, a wonderful opportunity. Sean, I'm curious, the same, again, if you had one-on-one conversations with students or, again, had a talk in a group or something, but then, again, to make this thing that was shared in this different public format, what what impact that had on uh, on you this year? Well, I always, at, at the end of each uh, podcast, when we were done recording each podcast, I, I would often say to Paula, I, boy, if, if, no one, if no one listens to this, this conversation was just so... I felt so privileged to be a part of these conversations because much like um, um, 
you know, prayer, um, then that's what a lot of these felt like were these conversations that were very, um, very infused with the spirit. Because uh, we would, we would, you know, plan. Of course, we would plan and we'd have these questions. We always offer questions to the person we were going to interview. But again, as you get into dialogue, um, the conversation becomes alive. And so sometimes the conversations will take a turn that we hadn't expected. And um, at the end of every episode, I always felt like I had just been a part of something wonderful. And, and I come home at the end of the day and I talk with my wife and I would say, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what I get to do. I get to have these conversations with colleagues who I just sit in awe of. And as they talk about the ways that they strive to be persons for and with others in our world and animate this, this Ignatian story. And so for me, that's really the gift is to walk away in awe of uh, the people I get to work with. And, and there's something about that when you get to walk around in awe and look at someone and go, wow, this is amazing what you're doing. It's amazing the questions you wrestle with. I hadn't even thought about that. So, and this is the way that you're engaging students. This is the way you engage faculty. This is the way you engage our community. So it, it really was gift um, for me is to walk away and say, what a gift. And, and I think that uh, the abundance of it flows overflows. And there, there are other people who I know who would stop me. I had a, we had a new employee who stopped, I think, in their first couple of weeks and said, whoa, I'd listened to this podcast. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And it was really helpful. Thank you for giving that gift. And I thought, oh, we hadn't. I didn't even know uh, that this was one of the gifts that were, you know, who it's going to receive, who's going to receive these stories or these uh, podcasts. So it's wonderful. And I think there's a lot of ways we don't know how it may have reached our community or shared part of uh, one of our faculty administrators stories with others in our community. Sure. So one last question for both of you um, before I, I let you go. I, a big part of the examine kind of looking back and the day is to look to the, tomorrow and think about how will this fruits of today impacting tomorrow or am I looking forward to or looking for? And so curious for you at this moment as the year, Ignatian year winds down, um, what are some of the th fruits you hope to uh, to take from this year? What are, how might your journey coming up uh, be different? How do you want to make sure this, you know, this, uh, even if the podcast changes or ends, um, that some of these things can continue to, to stay with you? And so maybe uh, Paolo, I'll ask you first. Yeah, I think that there is uh definite sacredness in community and for me personally my mission for the next year is how do I um, in my own corner and what I'm able to do continue creating and building community so every time we invite someone into the podcast we 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 build a connection we create a very very um you know, loving bond with that person. How can we that now multiply that so that it extends to a bigger part of the Loyola community, um, you know, in person, uh, not necessarily through a virtual means or, or through a podcast? How can we make that happen? So that's what I'm taking with me from this experience. And I really hope uh, we can do something with that. Great. And Sean? Well, I, I, I think how do we make these conversations um, more available? The opportunity for 
our our faculty, staff, and and students to really engage um, and reflect on their experiences. I think there's a lot of ways as a Jesuit in uh, a Jesuit university, a Jesuit Catholic university, that we um, are charged with that. But I I often find that a lot of what we're offering is great opportunities. We offer the spiritual exercises. We, you know, we can seek to find different ways to make them more accessible because not everybody is going to be able to commit to um, a whole year, right, of, of, of journeying through the Ignatian, um, the spiritual exercises. But how can we kind of create more bite-sized uh, opportunities for people to to build up towards that. And then I think the other piece is, um, as I'm walk, as we're going into the new year, I'm thinking about what are the opportunities we have to host some events on campus where we can really elevate, um, or, or not elevate, but provide the opportunity for more of our faculty, staff, and students to really share the ways that they, um, are, are living out this spirituality, their, their animating Jesuit education. And because I, I, I know that it impacts our community when we get to hear how others, what they're wrestling with, what they're finding hope in, um, and how they're living a more loving and generous response in the world. Yeah, thank you so much for for sharing this. And for for me, I again that importance of having those spiritual conversations, getting to go beyond small talk and creating those opportunities, and I think modeling that in the podcast and and giving people chances to do that. And wondering in our own lives, are we making space for that? Do we carve out that that time for those types of spiritual conversations? And also, again, the way you neither of you are professional podcasters. Um, neither nope. are now. I guess we all have gotten paid for at least some of this. Uh, <laughs> I get paid for this one uh, a little bit, but like you just kind of do it. And the, this sense of, I want to like try to share then any of these gifts I have been given or things I've encountered with others. And so I just love that again, as I've said, the, the creative impulse. And I, I would love it if our listeners, you know, write to us, tell us things you're making or want to be making uh, to take these things, uh, respond to them through your imagination and that creative instinct uh, and share them with others. I think that is such a big piece to that, that sharing. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you for, for that model. And hopefully um, we'll see at all kinds of our, our works and parishes and people in their own life uh, starting their own podcasts and uh, art things, um, writing, whatever. Uh, but just to kind of process it through that way just felt so Ignatian to me. And again, just so grateful. And um, so, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we'll have to check in again at the next the next big anniversary to, to see how you all are doing. Um, so, yeah, God bless the rest of your, your summer and good luck in the, the new school year. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for this opportunity to be in conversation today. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. And when we're not working from home, the show is recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C., AMDG is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leepsch, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at WeAreTheJesuits, and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. 
Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with the Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>